Hey there, zookeepers. It's one of your Hollywood kaiju bad boys here, Martin Felschman. Uh, even though it's April, uh, we are still in the middle of Mecha March Madness. And to celebrate, we watched the first Gundam Thunderbolt movie with our very special guest, Michael Kudo, also known as famed internet Gundam artist, Ridith Mochi, and we just had a real fun time. As always, if you like the podcast, tweet at us at Podzuki on Twitter and uh, email us at podzukipodcast at gmail.com. If you tweet or email us, we'll read it on air. And uh, as always, subscribe to us on Apple Podcast. It does help us a lot. Or follow us on Spotify. And uh, hey, I, I hope you're having a great day. Render unto Ghidra what is Ghidra's. Ten to one he sees you through a beaker and a tweezers. Read the fine print and be like, what's the big deal? Spun wheels of steel since broke wheel, big wheel. Back when it was greasy ass curl, now it's easy dread. Had a rhyme on how they used to tease him about his peasy head. Yes, yes, y'all, to the beat. Hey, welcome to Podzuki, America's first and only podcast that celebrates the rich history of Loose Change, everyone's favorite documentary about the truth behind 9-11. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts. Uh, <laughs> keep going. Okay, I'll actually correct. No, I should correct that pretty quick in case this is a new listener. No, this is actually uh, a podcast about big monsters and things uh, kind of affiliated with them. We've been doing a bit of a mecha kick, so we're going to talk some Gundam later here. Uh, but anyways, I'm one of your co-hosts and one of the Kaiju Hollywood bad boys, Brandon Kirkman. I'm another one of your co-hosts and another Kaiju Hollywood bad boy, and I have seen that documentary, Loose Change, and it's like the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> but you know... It's really dumb. I guess I guess when you're like... Oh, God. Uh, 2001. I guess when you're like 13, then it could be compelling. But yeah, uh, yeah. Luke Evans Slip is the name I, that I was given. I'm 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 your third co-host and third Hollywood kaiju bad boy, and I actually haven't seen Loose Change, so I laughed to be polite, but I didn't get the joke. Uh, I, I laughed Martin the hardest; it really threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and, it is fun. And uh, this week we've got a very special guest. Uh, yeah, hi, my name's uh, Michael Kudo. I just go by Kudo. Um, I'm on here since I am an illustrator, mostly known for my Gundam fan art, and. and do a lot of artist alleys and uh, drawing stuff. <laughs> yeah, we're really glad to have you. Uh, I've been eyeing you for a bit because I follow you on Instagram and I really like your art, but we, we both share a very deep love of Gundam, and for years I've been threatening and extorting uh, <laughs> our fellow podcast host here that we need to do a Gundam episode, and just by chance I'm finally like, okay, we should just start off with something that's not quite the original movies, which we'll, I hopefully will do, but let's do Gundam Thunderbolt, which is what we're going to talk about today, because I've come to the realization when I have friends or people that want to get into Gundam and they want me to recommend them something that's like a good starting point, I think Thunderbolt's the most fun one. It's also kind of got the more complex politics in a condensed movie or series if you watch it. And on top of that, it, it's really cool fights with jazz. Anime and jazz, it's just a marriage. I feel like it's... Happen a good anime to start with Gundam if you know you need to have a passing understanding of Gundam's history and like what kind of show it is and also yeah, did you like yeah. Cowboy Bebop because this movie like yeah. tries to be Cowboy Bebop quite a lot I don't think it tries to be Cowboy Bebop a lot I mean for, for music sure but I mean like theming and animation and stylization not as much Daryl is it Dylan or Daryl Daryl, he looks, he's got like kind of Spike's hair and a like, he looks like Snot from American Dad because he's got like the little wispy mustache. 
fuck, he yeah. does look like Snot from American Dad. <laughs> I see it now. I can't unsee that. <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, the funny thing is, like, I, I feel like this is still one of the more accessible things because unless you're going in on the original Gundam movies, no matter what Gundam you jump into, unless it's, like, I'd say Gundam Double Zero or one of the Gundam Wings, you have to have, like, some passing knowledge of it. So this is the the best one where it's like, okay, I don't know quite what they're talking about, but that fight scene was really cool. So Oh, yeah. With, with this movie, you can understand the concept of war. Yeah. And you know what? War never changes. I'm just going to say that. <sighs> yeah. I guess before we start, like, one of, like, uh, one of you two who really know Gundam, give us a breakdown of Gundam a little bit. Because I know, like, I've watched, when it was on Toonami all the time, I would... Absorb things through osmosis. I never really liked it or watched it completely, but I had a lot of friends who did, so I would learn some things. And it seems like there are a bunch of series that tell kind of the same story. It's all about, like, war, fought with mechs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think we could go into it, but I, I'd be curious to get Kudo's take on it because uh, I feel like you probably ha- – we might have equal knowledge on Gundam, but I feel like you really know the deep dive on it. What an anime yeah. thing to say. <laughs> uh, i don't know i'm tempted to do uh the original announcer voice from the 80s but uh barring that i, I mean or the g gundam announcer oh voice. that one's so oh, please do the g gundam announcer I can't, voice i can't do it i can't do it justice that's no. fair yeah you don't have an eye patch on so. <laughs> yeah. no, you know what uh, I, I was watching while gundam wing was on tenchi muyo yeah we, we've mentioned it before it's the perfect anime for young perverts <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, Gundam came out at a time, a uh, transitional period in anime where things were, uh, it was the first starting things getting a little bit grittier, a little bit more realistic. We had a lot, bunch of super robot shows that was kids screaming into the air and summoning, you know, random things. And there was still all weapon about metaphors of big weaponry, mass destruction, all these different things that Japan was going through in the seventies and eighties. But uh, Tomino, the original creator of Gundam, wanted to take it a little step further. I uh, have way more of uh, more of an adult drama. The gray lines. The although you're following a protagonist, they're not necessarily the good guys. They're just survivors. They're just kids trying trying to make it. Opposed to the other shows, where it's just like, no, this has to be a good guy, or this is definitely <laughs> your antagonist. Yeah. While I was doing some like cursory research, like Wikipedia and stuff, I kept seeing the term space opera. And that was like sort of like British sort of shows, like Blake Seven and Doctor Who. I think they like kind of fed out. Yeah, each that's other a, a good term. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean they're kind of responsible for making like the idea of uh, science fiction setting into a longer format and like uh, epic storytelling, like you would see for fantasy. Not like a epic term is in gaming, but like as in the old epics. So I wanted to. Make sure everybody realized that and didn't think I was holding like two cans of gamer fuel in my hand when I said that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, I think uh, Kudo hit it on the head really well. It's it's a uh, it Gundam's definitely the first transition of taking like robots and mecha into a more like serious, straightforward kind of war and politics, but still kind of keeping it accessible for like the common viewer, which I think is really cool to see how it's evolved but also when it really fails and stumbles and makes something like g gundam i think it's just as interesting oh you do not do not talk badly about g gundam i listen i will never talk badly of g gundam but it is an absolute fuck my my friends who are really into wing like when i would talk about like oh i like this gun they're playing now is g gundam they would all talk shit about me be like oh you like that crap oh they're just a bunch of they're just a bunch of haters who don't like fun 
Yeah, we, we're going to have to do G Gundam somehow for this podcast. I don't know how, but we'll figure it I out. I like that I can uh, relate it's... to more than two of the main characters. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so, like, in America, the big jumping point for both anime and Gundam of where it became big was those early 2000s with the huge success of Gundam Wing. And um, it's not the worst starting point because it's an alternative timeline, so you don't need to know a ton, but it's... Uh, it's a little more melodramatic, and it has some ridiculous moments to it. But I think overall, it's it's a decent series, and I think endless, uh, you know, endless waltz, uh, is a plus OVA. I remember that being a like a big deal story. when they aired it on Toonami. Like uh, yeah, a lot, is, all my friends uh, were talking about it. I feel like for years I had been edging with anime, and that was the first <laughs> time I actually came to completion. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, it was a big time for See, me. See, I think I came the first time I ever saw anime, and I've been chasing that ever since. And uh, that's why I, <laughs> I don't keep up with it. Yeah, that seems about right. You know, everyone has different sexual entry points for how they view and uh, enjoy anime. Uh, you know, and I respect that. It's a, it's a whole spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm curious then, too. My, my first exposure to Gundam, of course, was Gundam Wing, and it, like, blew my fucking mind when I was in middle school, and I saw it. But uh, what's what's all your guys' exposure then to it? Me, uh, probably Gundam Wing. Like I feel like it's something that like I was always a nerd into like pop culture stuff. So I'd probably seen an image of a Gundam somewhere, like the, the like that that classic Gundam with the like the <laughs> V on its head, like from this movie. Because there's like, what if you just saw it in a dream and it's just a really weird <laughs> amalgamation of like it came to be reality. Very secret. Yeah, I, I'd heard the term Gundam before, but it wasn't until, like, Gundam Wang, like, oh, I recognize that name. I've read that name, like, on, like, in a magazine or something. And I watched right. it a little. I think it was also, it started, like, when I was, like, my family had moved to another town, but we were still living in the old town. So I would get driven mm. home, like, after school, and I would get there probably around, like, 4, 4.30, maybe even 5 at the latest. So, like, the good animes had already played. Maybe five, maybe five fifteen. Five maybe 16. six. Maybe I didn't go home at all, <laughs> and I was just <laughs> out in the wilderness drinking a forty. <laughs> Noise a teen. Well, I was trying to think of when it would have been on because Toonami started at like three. No, Toonami started. Uh, it did usually start like a little bit later. I think around like three thirty or four. So it's like right at that time when people would be getting home from school. Yeah, exactly. Kids love it. Yeah, it's perfect. That was good uh, advertising for them. Good planning on schedules. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Martin, what's uh, what's your exposure to the Gundam franchise? Oh, uh, well, when I was younger, I saw one episode of Gundam Wing, and uh, my my young child mind was like, I like anime, but this isn't colorful or fast enough for me. And then I saw G Gundam, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this fucking <laughs> rules. It's yeah. like Pokemon. It looks like Gundam. Exactly. <laughs> it looks like Gundam got a leather jacket, baby. <laughs> Uh, and then beyond that, I think, uh, I think Gundam Thunderbolt is like the, the next thing I actually devoted time to. Cause I've seen bits and pieces here, but like this, this, yeah, this, <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, I think we'll have to do the second movie because I forgot how it leaves off on the first one makes you want to watch the second one right away. Well, I am. I was um, like, so this is from a series, correct? Yeah, it's from a series. The weird thing is that they basically just condensed all the episodes into a movie, and they didn't change much, but like it still works but pretty they, well. But do they animate but, it new, or do they really just cut the anime into this movie? 
they cut the anime into the movie with a few additional animated scenes, which is a, a very famous way they do it, because it's kind of like what they did there with the original Gundam. That has a lot more new scenes added to it, but it's a similar kind of flow. But otherwise, like the movies. scenes that were in the anime, they're the exact same scenes. Like the same animation yeah, the that looks the exactly the way it would look on television, as opposed to in a movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the only downfall with uh, Thunderbolt as a series and the movie is that the second movie is probably my favorite, actually. But uh, they didn't finish the series, and I don't know if they're going to, so it also ends on a cliffhanger, which is a bit of a Well, my first criticism about this movie is... Hey, wait, wait, wait. We didn't okay. get to kudos. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got carried Hold away. Your, uh, mecha horses. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Um, first exposure. Well, despite being in your guys' uh, age group, uh, I did not have cable or any access to Gundam Wing, but... Uh, from my youngest memories, I always had like Gundam toys and Gunpla and um, uh, all, pretty much just uh, any of the my friends at the temple or the Japanese uh, uh, like marketplaces and stuff like that. I mean, just there's just the Gundam masks at the uh, festivals and stuff. Like it's just a thing that I just kind of grew up with, and probably by the time I was not even quite double digits yet, uh, finally getting hands on a PS2 and seeing like. Gundam by, I don't know, the awful, awful PS2 Gundam games, Journey to Jabra, all this other stuff. <laughs> like those, I was just, it's like... Hey, you take that back. Journey to Jabra is a, a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we can get into that another, we need a whole two hours on that one. But uh, it, that was the first time actually digesting a little bit more of the story, because all I had were the toys. And it, there's no, like, I don't even think I had a VHS or anything of any, of actually to be able to watch anything. But at that time, I think I was only, as soon as I found out that it was something I can watch, I started to be able to get, like, uh, I think there was some, some DVDs of some OVAs uh, here and there, and pretty soon I was able to watch the original series. Um, I mean, that, that was yeah, growing up in the 90s experience. and liking anime at all, like, it was so hard to really find, you would see, like, references to everything, but the actual tapes was very difficult. Yeah, or if you were a rich person, you could just get them, because I think I would, like, we talked about it on the, the Eva episode of, like, I would go to Suncoast and just, like, look at the VHSs I wanted to buy, but, like, oh, that's right, I'm a poor kid, I can't buy these. I actually, oh, also, I, if you lived in an area with a Sam Goody or a Suncoast. Yeah. I uh, I grabbed something in a thrift shop recently that I want to lend to both of you. It's a 2002 to 2003 anime buyer's guide, and it <laughs> took me on a real emotional uh, roller coaster of a, of a field trip. Oh, because yeah, I man. I could not imagine today paying like thirty dollars for two episodes of an anime. <laughs> oh jeez. Yeah. Yeah, so I've never yeah. seen Gundam Wing or almost any of the Gundam series around those time periods. I've only grown up with the original series and I'll watch the yeah. OVAs that are related to that definitely. So Hell yeah. Yeah, because the OVAs were they were actually available for purchase in America since like probably the late nineties, I wanna say, because Suncoast and I remember them would have like Specifically, they didn't have the Gundam series, but the three movies that they had dubbed way back in the day, um, with like uh, Noah Bright being like British in accent, which is really funny to me. Um, but I, when I got into Gundam Wing when I was like in high school or middle school to high school, I should say, uh, as I got older, I got more of the Gundam series. Like I checked out uh, Eight the Mess Team, which is still ooh, that's a good one. But I grew up uh, in this area kind of outside of Chicago before I moved into the city of, like, uh, Aurora, which was, like, right next to Schaumburg, which had uh, Mitsuas, which is a Japanese marketplace. Um, 
And when we would visit there, like when we were teens and we got a car, I found out they had a bunch of Gunpla, which are like the Gundam model kits. And man, I went I went nuts on those. I probably had like a good, I want to say 10 plus different like master kits <laughs> uh, back when I was in high school. Um, I didn't keep most of them, which is a bummer. I kept the Dom because it's my favorite, but I, I still build them on occasion now. And I, I, I've just kept my favorite ones. So like in my collection, I got a Dom, an Akai, which I think is my favorite for Zeon suits. And then um, recently built a Turn A Gundam that I got during the quarantine. And then uh, a red coloration of the original Gundam, which is pretty fun. Because uh, building Mafia, like the Master Grades, is just it's a good way to clear your brain when you're stuck inside. You know what? You like just reminded me how I first heard about Gundam, how I knew about Gundam before Toonami was a thing. We mm-hmm. would, my uh, grandparents lived in Pennsylvania, and the mall in their town, Allentown, had a model shop. And my brother got some Gundam models that he built from there. So that's how I first heard about Gundam. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, the thing that's given it staying power and why it's become such a cultural phenomenon that's stuck around is uh, capitalism, which I think is funny because oh, yeah. Gundam was big was big at the time, but it's it, one of the bigger tie-ins was they got really big for their model kits, and that's kind of what gained them popularity as well. And it's kind of kept them where they are to this day, and uh even with the pandemic, like, I know Gunplus had, like, a huge renaissance, too. Like, it's become a huge hobby for a lot of people stateside again, which is kind of cool to see. Because it is something I enjoy, especially as somebody who also enjoys things like Warhammer 40k and, like, model building and painting. This is also the point where everybody's getting really, really, really bored at home, so we can start <laughs> talking about that. <laughs> that's, that's my fault. This happens when I want to talk about model uh, kits and making. Oh, it's cool. They, there's a whole um, video game series based on Gunplus, right? It's got four spin-off yeah. shows yeah. about just the and models them, yeah. and Yuki. And one of them's all right. So two of them are good now. My favorite the model new that one. my brother got of Gundam was those little chibi Gundams from that really bad show. Oh, the SD Gundams. <laughs> yeah, where yeah, like that they were like living things. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, for the the Gundam Builder series, I did like re-rise a, a bit, so that would be the one I'd say I enjoyed out of them. Cool, cool. I don't know uh, what have. What were what the ones you like? Then, out of uh, the first one and the last one. So the original build build fighters and uh, the re rise where it's in it's a uh, this is the we have this con- contrast now from Gundam Thunderbolt where it's this beautiful story of war and it's just a little pocket side story and then we have Gundam re rise which is where we're at just a couple years of ago it's relatively recent which is an mmo about playing gundams but it's actually an isekai that it's like about a real fantasy world inside of the mmo but that's also <laughs> another fantasy world inside that mmo but, don't drop the ball biggest thing it's bringing an important thing to the gundam franchise which is furry and fr- and furry i'm sorry I, that was actually my punchline that i forgot thank you yeah not a, not a joke man it, it had at least 110% more phrases than I was expecting in that anime. So that was a fun surprise. Uh, hey, this, but yeah. This movie starts very slow. Yes. I like the buildup of this too because it's it's kind of like done in three arcs of three major fights that happen and then establishing the characters and the story as it goes. And I, I like the structure of the first movie. Quite well, there, there are things that like at one point I dislike it, but I'm also like, well, the reason I like the movie is because that thing didn't work so i don't know if it's intentional like in like the beginning most people are wear already in like they're out there like space gear so you can't really tell anybody apart and it's yeah. also difficult to tell like 
well, this movie never really gets to like good guys or bad guys. You don't. There's not really anybody you root for. Although I hated Io. <laughs> yeah, he's a, a complete psychopath, and that's one thing I really like. I remember the first time looks. when you saw what he looked like when he came into the captain's office. Like, oh, gross! He's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Zell from Final Fantasy VIII. Oh yeah, I could see that. Without Just the guy put a little face tattoo. Yeah, without he the is face a chat, tattoo. right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I think that's one thing I do like about the movie, and we're going to have to do a very early Moth Pulse Drag Race. Moth Pulse Drag Race! Um, <laughs> which is, I, I like the design and outfits of the characters, but they, they very much stuck with the original gundam franchise of like having the zeon and the federation units and suits you know pretty uniformed and like the only kind of flares you get is like you know maybe like a little necklace or a little like uh you know undershirt they're wearing or they'll always have an item with them yeah how do you tell them apart basically i mean but the the thing with this is a lot of the characters in this movie and the franchise itself are kind of expendable because they do get killed off pretty quickly, but not in a bad way. Like, you know it's coming. They're all kind of fire. Well, that's why I oh, thought oh, it was yeah. gonna, like the series itself had more to do, because, like, Sean, he was memorable to me, but you never see anything from him. He just looks kind of yeah. just there looking kind of like Andy Cap. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one thing I like is that it's a... They did a really cool job with both the mecha and the character design where... They wanted them to look reminiscent of the original 70s designs, but they're very much of a modern update at the same time. Uh, Sean's like a good example of having that kind of like side character uh, Kai from the original Gundam look to him, uh, but still being kind of more modernized. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll give a lot of credit to yeah uh, Odagaki-sensei, so the, the original mangaka, like his reinterpretation, because this is definitely like a, a parallel, not exactly... It's not 100% canon, because a lot of these designs don't really work, but it feels like it works. To anybody who's who's watched the original series, it's like, I can believe it. Like, I don't question it. But if you, yeah. but it's definitely a side canon, for sure. And so I like all the little details, and it, it feels like it fits. Yeah, and it's another thing, I think, as a, as a leftist who has to notice these things, I feel like. I like that there's a lot more feature of, like, people of color in it, too, and, like, designs that reflect that, which is pretty nice. Especially for, like, Daryl and a few others. Um, just the whole kind of aesthetics and look, I really like a lot. But it's also very, it's both well done and also extremely basic at the same time in a very good way. Of Like, this is a very gritty military outpost look going on here and they're not going to deviate from that because it wouldn't yeah you know when, I, when so. I first saw i could never understand and this is something where like even no matter what they meant for it i think it kind of doesn't make sense why is it the the zeon or zeus side the green suit oh zeon the dr zeus, dr. zeus. yeah <laughs> zeon what is the what is the name i'm looking for though Something zeon zeon but why did all of them have like all these like injuries because at first i thought they were replacing those things voluntarily for the experiments but then you find out like no they were just losing limbs and even when the gundam attacks dylan and he puts his hand up the gundam's hand the mobile suit's hand up to defend himself how does that hurt his hand are they connected uh, like that like 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 ava's are where like you feel the pain the mobile suit feels they're not connected. It's just a weird shot. The basically the beam kind of glanced and actually went through the cockpit and hit his hand uh, when it was going on. Um, 
also for like the designs of those two they're uh they mention it briefly in the movie and it's i think brought up a little bit later on the second movie but they're part of what they call the living dead crew uh, so it's a bunch of Zeon soldiers that have had handicaps or issues during the war that were put over there. Oh, okay. Um, that kind of makes sense. I didn't pick up on that. I get that, though. Yeah, because uh, the, the area the movie takes place, and this is a good way to kind of get the plot going, is in an uh, area called Site 4. So all the the main focus of the original Gundam series is there's these space colonies that are referred to as the Sides, and basically it's kind of a... Zeon wants to have their own independence from Earth now that the colonies have become so big. Um, but as the war goes on, more and more bad shit happens, including complete destruction of colonies, and Site 4 is one of the ones that were destroyed. And the re- the remainments of what was left behind because of all of like the nuclear fission oh, and other things. That's one of my favorite things about like this. That's one of my favorite things about this movie. Like they're fighting over rubble. Yeah. Yes. And the, yeah, it's the area's become so I guess I wouldn't say polluted, but it's become so unstable that's referred referred to as the Thunderbolt region. Um, but because it's a war, people are still fighting for things, so you get to watch them uh, duke it out for scraps. And boy, howdy, do I love that for just a great message of what war really is like. Exactly, <laughs> it's just like they're not even fighting for like territory anymore. They're fighting just to kill the other side. There's an episode of Star Trek Deep Six Nine that does the exact same thing, where like it's. Two warring factions were stuck on a planet where there was like a device to where like anybody who died would come back to life. So they'd just be in this never-ending war forever. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to say that it's uh, it's this does suffer, or it's also as awesome at uh, the way you want to look at it. The Rogue One kind of problematic things where. There's a few throwaway lines at the end of the original Gundam at the final battle saying it's like, oh, well, we didn't get our supplies from so-and-so place. And the beginning of the movie, they kind of say it, and definitely in the manga, it's just like they're defending a supply line to the final fight. They keep saying, oh, the war is coming to a close or something like that. So the events of Thunderbolt is the direct ending, creates the ending of the finale so this of is the, the same series. war from the uh, original Gundam? Yes. Yeah, that's that's actually kind of what... Uh, I mean, we'll get to it at the sure. end, but that's kind of the, the last fight scenes you see going on. And that's, I think, the only part where, if you have someone who hasn't seen the originals or doesn't know the storyline, it is a little confusing how they just jump to it. But it still does look really cool, because <laughs> you get to see... Basically, you get to see, like, a prototype Zeong going I mean, I liked all that, that shit. I just didn't like that EO got out of captivity i really hated yeah. eo i i hated him so much i wanted to see he him was, die yeah i'm glad that you did because i think the thing i really like about this is that as the story kind of progresses you meet eo first and then like he kind of has a run-in with the the living dead crew of zeon after they have a first fight where both sides are kind of getting just wiped out he's he's just a real bastard and he's also on the federation side which in the original series are kind of the good guys but not really but you know the the good guys you root for i like on this one they've made them more bloodthirsty and just like more dedicated to elitism and kind of you know property and dude that is one of the few things um, i remembered from wing where like the side that i like dylan's side that i ended up having more of a connection to i seem to remember them being the bad guys in wing yeah, well, the original Gun Wing. That's the confusing thing. Wing is almost a direct retelling of Gundam, but it's not Gundam. <laughs> okay. Which is, yeah, I know it's it's stupid, but it, it, the '90s were a weird time for us all. Um, I feel less bad uh, about it taking yeah. like ten years for Anno to get the next Ava movie out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
but yeah, it's like the uh, the first kind of introduction to all the characters. EO Squad kind of gets wiped out by the Xeon snipers that Daryl's a part of. And in a really cool kind of uh, divisive battle, he gets away in one of his like escape core fighters, which are like these little planes that come out of them when the mechs get destroyed, which has always been kind of cool design. And he basically uses it to sneak up to one of the units and like get the guy to open his cockpit because he thinks it's malfunctioning and just shoots him right in the face. So you know that this guy is just a complete bastard. <laughs> and yeah, that's basically I, that's crazy. They, they do they do such a succinct job of making him a bastard too because he doesn't just shoot a guy in the face. He then goes on to fucking insult his his, his fucking cohorts yeah. and say yeah and just his brothers in yeah, arms just his 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 yeah. brothers in arms and then just disability shame them. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing I love is they, they make him almost irredeemable right away. Be like, oh, look at you pathetic cripples. It's like, oh, shit, this is supposed to be the good guy on this one. Okay. <laughs> but they do a good job, too, as, this, as the movie progresses, because after this, he gets the Dom, which is the mecha unit. One of my favorite Zeon designs. Such a cool design. Wait, uh, okay, wait, gets wait, who, who gets the Dom? Dylan or? No, EO. Uh, yeah, and Daryl's the... the, well, the this is another thing like, that confused me, though. Why did they just use the Gundam now? Did, did his commanding officer have the Gundam before and just wasn't using it? No. Uh, basically, they mention it very briefly, but after he steals the Dom and he gets out of their area because he realizes they can't shoot him from certain angles now that he has like the information on the actual mecha unit, he takes it back to the Federation basically to capture and study and seeing that it's such like a, a huge success for them... Uh, the Federation's decided to give them an experimental Gundam unit to basically kind of help with their battle against... Uh, okay, because at first I thought when he stole that unit, that was going to be their big unit now. But then when it was like, then yeah. it was like the classic Gundam design, I was kind of confused. Like, uh, where'd that come from? What is that? Yeah. And that's the fun thing is the as the series have progressed, they've gotten better at like, giving reasons they exist and it's not the mainline Gundam is basically the Federation started making prototypes and experimental designs towards the end of the war for other people to have and test because it became like a symbol of power mm. and might against well, the Why is a Gundam like so much more that. powerful than a mobile suit? I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> a, few, a few key reasons. Uh, depending on the timeline or the stories, usually they're made out of a stronger material. Sometimes Gundamarium, which is stupid, but they call it that, I know. Um, but also, like, it has a better compact, uh, like, uh, molecular generator. I forget the exact term for it, but basically it has a better engine that can run faster. It can take more damage. It also has better weaponry. Like, it's... It's basically like if you had a modern-day tank go against, like, a brass cannon from Napoleon's army. And as the series progress, like, Xeon kind of catches up with them, with a few other ones, because they have a lot of money and time. And this is a cool thing, too, they don't touch on in the movie on this, but it's featured in some of the series, is that there's uh, a few different groups that are making the mobile suits for both sides, and they're basically just making them better and selling them to both. I, I, I did, I did get the sense too. in that last scene where, like, okay, like, the Gundam's super powerful, but soon every both sides are just going to have a fleet fleets of Gundams. Oh yeah. And that's a, that's a really cool thing about the main line or as they call it, the universal century, which is like the main Gundam franchise storylines is as it gets into the deeper series, they start having it where it's more about the manufacturers kind of controlling and manipulating the wars because they can basically make the best weapon for whatever side wants to pay them the most money. See, This, this which is, is so crazy to me. Cause get this very similar to real war. This is so crazy to me. Because, like, uh, you guys know how much I love Ava, but at least in Ava, everybody dies at the end. This one, all these people are just reliving a horrible war. Yeah. 
And the thing I think that I like is in the mainline gun series is that usually most of the characters eventually do die. <laughs> like they just get killed <laughs> off because war's bad and it's no good. But yeah, that's uh, is uh, to get back to like the storyline of uh, Thunderbolt. After this first encounter, we get to know all the characters a little bit more, and like EO is basically in a relationship with the ship's captain. In a very um, like disgusting likes. relationship, they don't like they don't seem to like each other. And like it's yeah. it, at first it seemed rapey until she was like, "Why can't I stop loving you?" But I guess that doesn't make it not rapey still. Yeah, they have boundaries, but they're not very clear. I think is a good way to say. Well, it. the captain is one someone who like I wanted to root for, but you just don't know enough about her. Yeah, and I, I do like they touch on things that are a common thing in war. Like she's been putting that position because she doesn't want to fight on the front lines, but her family has position and power that they want to kind of show off. So that's why she's in a commanding uh, officer role. Oh, I thought she was also there because uh, everyone above her was was murdered. Yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't fine, pick man. up on that. It's a, they were uh, yeah. Oh, no, they said it. I was right well, off the bat. They, they, they I knew they all because, died, but... Well, well, they said it because EO had also been... He had also been, like, up to rank because everyone above him had just been killed. Yeah. And then, like, he has his friend Cornelius, who's, like... He's a pretty good, I'd say, like, moral base for the, the Federation side of this, where he's he's not the best, but also, like, at least he's like, hey, this is pretty fucked up what we're doing. Well, <laughs> so, he's a mechanic, so he doesn't have to hurt anybody and when he did try and hurt anybody it's jumping ahead but you think when they were like trying to take over that ship do you think he was actually making a plea to their humanity or he knew about the plan to try and kill everyone who's trying to destroy the mothership i think he kind of knew that's the one i was kind of always unclear with because i didn't watch the original series just the movies because he was a commanding i'm pretty sure he He doesn't know no he is not yeah he was not informed on yeah unfortunately anyway and through through most of the series, or at least for the movies I've seen, he he does seem to have like a a moral sense to himself too, where I don't think he would be the type to do that. Is there a deeper meaning um, to him giving IO tissues that I don't know? Is it something about like nosebleeds or something? Well, he's like, if you gotta jerk it off because you're so aroused by fighting. Well, that was kind of why I, like, yeah, I wanted to make that joke. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I took it from you, Martin. <laughs> I was gonna make a space dust joke, but I couldn't come up with one. <laughs> I mean, what is space dust but just jizz if you think about it? Put that on a coffee mug. I'd buy that right away, man. Let's um, put it up in the brand new you... Podzuki store. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh, we're going to be millionaires. Uh, on the on Xeon the side of like the Living Dead division, you also get to meet Daryl and then his friend Sean and Hoover, who are going to be killed off pretty soon. That's fine. But also, uh, you get to meet kind of like the... It's basically a group of scientists that are also experimenting on them because they don't really care about this division. Um, and one of the main figureheads of that is Carla. Well, them and having prosthetics seem to be necessary for the experiments. Yeah, they basically needed them for the experiments with the prosthetics, and it was just more of a convenience that they had them. But as it kind of got more and more into what they were trying to build, it's eventually like, well, we're going to have to chop your hand off. But we'll get to that when we get there, <laughs> which... <laughs> That's that's another really cool scene, man. See, that's why, like, I I kept thinking that they had like volunteered to have their limbs cut off because of that, you know, that urban myth about Star Fox. Where, like, in the cover, it looks like he has metal legs because, like, oh, they for get G-Force. their legs yeah, amputated of... for G Force. That's what I thought yes. was yeah. going to be the idea at first. That's why, like, only their side seemed to have prosthetic limbs because they were voluntarily taking them off. Yeah. 
they kind of hint at like that's why they're doing these operations with like what they refer to as the reuse psychosystem, where they can kind of connect it to limbs to almost get a, like a slight neural connection. Yeah, which it's is vague how it works, concept. but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think they took this idea and eventually used it for the basis of the Iron Blooded Orphans uh, interface they have for that Gundam series, which is pretty cool. Once again, I, I don't want to go down these paths too much because it's really boring for other for anyone who's not really into Gundam. Uh, but yeah, you basically meet Daryl, uh, then Carla and uh, Sexton, who are the two like kind of operating officers for like their science division that are doing experiments. Carla doesn't want to really do these things because she doesn't like war, but she got stuck there because they're holding her father hostage. And then Sexton's just a jackass nobody likes. That's like yeah, just he's so he's, su- he's such a slime ball throughout the entire thing. Yeah, and like it's, it's weird. Um, like, is he fun... supposed to be her superior? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's basically like her handler, where he's a superior, but he doesn't have the same. She's the one who's doing does. everything. Yes. Yeah, that makes. So sense. he basically needs her to do. He needs her to do the experiments, but he doesn't know how to do it himself. He also realizes that he's kind of at her mercy if she's not doing the. Oh, work that either. scene when he like, so... when he like was escaping from the ship when he was like, "Oh, let me help yeah. you get this injured person into a pod." Like, <laughs> yoink. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to put it. But uh, yeah, we um, we basically at this point, this is when the Federation gives them the Gundam because of the success of the mission, and uh, with Daryl's side, they start developing the Psycho reuse intercom interface uh, with like a, kind of a repurposed Zaku unit to be like a sniper with it. Which that's another cool scene where we get to see the Gundam in action, and basically right away, Eo's like, "Well, I'm going to go kill a bunch of people because I think it's fun." watching that whole chaos unfold was really cool especially when they did that like one point of view of the one like the one the bad guy unit or getting like destroyed by the sword yeah and the way that it's moving so fast that from the point of view it's like you can't see it for a few frames it comes back it's gone and then all of a sudden the sword's just going through oh yeah i that fucking ruled so hard. i did i did like rewind so cool. that scene to watch it again because i was like did i see exactly what i thought i saw <laughs> yeah yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, man, it, I will say I I do hate EO and they set him up to be such a villain. But I did kind of like him during the scenes because he's playing that good jazz music and it just matches up so fucking. It feels so good to hear that frenetic freeform jazz matched with these big fucking robot fights. Oh man, yeah, I love the music so much, and I think that little bit that you're just mentioning too was like part of like the main trailer. Like especially for anybody who was in the anime or Gundam community, nobody outside of japan really knew what thunderbolt was because the manga was not like localized yet but they had that like that little like 10 second clip and just like gundam thunderbolt and everyone's like oh what was that oh my god and before this <laughs> came out like that it sold it for sure sold everyone on it yeah oh so a cool thing for uh listeners at home and you guys too they actually have most of both the first and second movie soundtrack on spotify too Ooh. because they're really great soundtracks see i like i want to talk about the music for a second can we do that? Yeah. Now, all yeah, the jazz... We're gonna... I, I liked all the jazz, yeah. but they're... The songs with, like, actual singing, there were too many of those. <laughs> there were, like, four yeah. of them. <laughs> too, in too a, many. There were four of them in an hour-long movie. Sometimes the, it felt gratuitous. The thing is, I think they, they get better with the pacing of that. In the second movie, when they do... It's more of a split between Daryl and Eo on different sides. You don't see them interact as much in the second one. But what they the basically the aesthetic is they have pop music for Daryl and they have jazz for EO. In the second movie, the jazz for EO is really good, but they get really good pop music in the second movie 
where it's a whole like a, a whole fight scene with a bunch of Akai units timed out to uh, an insanely poppy song, and it is just ooh, it's so good. We got to watch this. Well, I suppose it's another thing. If, I, if I'd seen this over like like five episodes, I wouldn't have said anything. But seeing it over like an hour yeah. long movie, I am like oh like. It's a little gratuitous because, like, I get it, but it seems shallow. Yeah, yeah I, they get a better they get a better balance in the second one, I think. Yeah, this was my first time watching it in one sitting because I waited per episode, so I had a little time to digest each little bit. And I think what you guys missed was each cliffhanger because there was just a lot of like sudden stops and just su- like the Gundam they face just head blowing right into the camera or the Zaku faces right in the camera or something and then I had to wait like a while before I can see the next portion (laughs) so it was a little different but I did want to mention for the for the music though although they redid orchestrate everything for just Thunderbolt and it's really amazing in the in the manga like all those songs are based off of real music that you can find so the like EO's theme which is a gorgeous rendition uh is an interpretation of giant steps uh, the second song in the middle is a reinterpretation of Rhapsody in Blue. Like they're all based on real jazz songs, but they can't. They're not going to use those jazz songs, so they kind of have like Japanese orchestrated free jazz versions of them. I, I just yeah, that, so good. That makes sense because it's it, you can kind of tell like they're they're going for a certain sound, but they can't do it directly probably because of copyright issues. Yeah, uh, but yeah, as, that, as like, a huge fan of oh no, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna like. I like that, but still, whenever I keep think, trying to think of the songs from the movie, I just keep thinking Cowboy Bebop. And I know it's Cowboy Bebop, then I hear yeah. But I know that's not the songs yeah. from the movie. And it's 100%. I, I get that they're probably trying to pull that off, too, at the same time, and do their own thing, so I respect that. But, man, like uh, I feel like by the second movie or the second half of the series, they really get it down for being more unique and different. Also, fun thing, the main jazz theme is called Groovy Duel, which I think is the most Japanese name for a jazz song. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, the music's great. Uh, hands down, definitely one of the best parts of it. But also, I agree where they could probably... Even when I think it's gratuitous, I did still like all of the songs. They were all great. Yeah. And, uh, and they did fit with their scenes. They just seemed to be too close together. Yeah. And I, I really like, I'd say... Well, I guess we'll wait till we get to the third part, but to talk about the actual music and how they use it. The third big fight, I like when everything's going really bad. They use just a very sad, well-done pop song. So it's very jarring in the fitting scenes of like people getting torn apart, but it works really well. But yeah, the, basically at this point we get to the second encounter where EO now has the Gundam. And like, Daryl, my guy, listen, I'm sorry for you because like I know you're not going to get out of this pretty pretty well, but like... They have the psycho unit, he's using it, and then the Gundam shows up, and it's like, yeah, his team's about to get wiped out by this thing, absolutely. <laughs> like, Which is a, a very fun scene of where that happens, and he's getting more and more pissed off at EO, knowing that it's him. And then when he actually catches up to his sniping like outpost unit, I like that they show that even though Daryl is far outclassed, he's pretty smart, where like as he's going to finally do the killing blow to Daryl, he just throws up like a basically a flash grenade, and he's like, well, I'm out here. I don't need this shit. So. <laughs> you see, I was a little confused yeah. by that because that's like a beacon that gets one of them to start firing on their location. But isn't it the Federation that does that? Well, it was done because he needed to escape and it was going to alert to where his location was. But it basic- in the series originally, those those bombs are used to make your cameras not work well for like a, a good portion of time. They're basically like flash grenades yeah. from Mecca. Mm. So 
he basically did that knowing that he could kind of get it out there at the last second, but he uh, he loses a limb in the process because his unit gets heavily damaged. I um and this okay. oh I'm sorry Th- this is a little dark, but I did enjoy that whenever he he did lose a limb or when he flashed back to losing his legs, he had very specific memories of using his legs or of using that hand, and I don't know why, but yeah. I thought it was so funny. Yeah, it's it's funny and dark and very well. Done. I didn't think it was funny, but uh, I did like like. like the idea of like him running on the beach like when his dreams yeah. i thought that was like also you get like the idea of like how this war probably began you saw him as like a ground yeah. troop probably in the early days of the war before they had mech suits now they got gundams shit like that well, I, stuff what yeah. i liked about the movie yeah i just thought it was funny that they were specifically using like a memory he had of grabbing his father's hand when he was like four <laughs> yeah that that one was actually the opposite where I, I felt like the running on the beach seemed kind of comical of like him just being a kid and having a good time but I think the one of him like remembering holding his dad's hand as a kid like that one like that was oof that got me where like this this is really sad I actually this is not good. I, I do want like a memory now of him like jerking off <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no not my right hand <laughs> Yeah, I'd say he has to give himself a stranger each time, but uh, that's uh, he loses them both because at this point of the movie, you know, they've gotten all of the. Also, is somebody got something beeping? Oh, sorry, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, beeps are loud. Dude. I didn't realize how they were loud enough to get picked up. Sorry. Oh, I thought you were timing something like every ten minutes of the podcast. I thought that was a timer. I... Oh, I thought. I thought my computer was a bomb. No, I was just absentmindedly <laughs> uh, playing with this like, like uh, electronic like thing, like like it's hard to describe. It's an electroshock pen you put like oh, on your muscles yeah. and it'll like uh, spasm. Oh. Because the the beep sounded like a microwave beep, so I'm like, man, where are these pizza rolls gonna be? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, at this point, after Daryl's recovered. The the Zeon side is in a very hard place where they're losing footing, and if they don't win this battle, they're basically going to be executed by the other side or executed by themselves. Uh, so they finish the all of the testing they need for the psycho reuse unit, and they're like, "Well, we need somebody who doesn't have their limbs to connect with it properly." And then basically Sexton's like, "Hey, well, he's only got one hand left, so let's let's chop that bad boy off." I was kind of weirded <laughs> um, out by like he already didn't have like both of his feet. Or legs, and he seems so like freaked out when he lost his other hand. Which I don't want to like say like that's not something to be freaked out about, but it's also like okay, you know what the job you're you've been doing and how likely you are to lose more limbs. I think they balance it out pretty well too, because at first he's shocked, but after he's told like he needs to lose his other yeah. hand if he wants to interface with the psychic unit, he's like, oh yeah, I'd be glad to do that so he could save us all. Hopefully, I it, it definitely balances it more where like daryl is on the bad guy side from the yeah. original gundam but he's definitely more of the good guy in this movie it let, it let him take some control over it because he got to choose to take that yeah. last hand off mm. yeah mm. yeah and i think the the difference and i really like how they highlight it is like when io gets the gundam and he's flying around it he's like this is power i'll use to crush my enemies and daryl when he gets the the psycho zaku he's like okay i have power now to fight against yeah he starts like, acting like, see, a, like their, their motivation it's a, I like the corruption of like okay I have a cool thing now I have to kill a lot of people with it so this basically has geared it up for the last fight because this is the last standoff for securing that basically kind of like line of supplies like uh, uh, we were mentioning earlier and um, I, I one of my favorite things before we get to the last fight is the Federation sends support and get their support it's a bunch of child soldiers oh I like that too Woo! I liked the, the the comments on that it reminded me of. Uh... 
Oh, I can't even remember, but sorry. <laughs> oh, I thought you cut oh. out. <laughs> <laughs> What's he going to say? It could be anything. I'm trying to think of other famous child soldier stories other than Gundam itself, because it's a very common story. Yeah. It made me anything. think of uh, Full Metal Jacket. Like, the, the idea of the part-timers, like, people who came in after the first wave of people who were already in a war. And they're like, oh, geez, mm. they're just kids. And also Band of Brothers did that as well. Mm. With oh, their yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, like, these, this guy's 18. Like, I've been here for three years, and I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> I don't want, like, seeing kids yeah. here. And I, I think the funniest thing, and I, this definitely was written to be funny, is that EO gives them, like, a warm-up speech before they go to fight in the final battle. He's like, listen, you're all fodder. I don't give a shit. But whoever survives, I'm buying you a rant. Yeah. I, like so I like that they're children, so he's both going to buy them beer illegally, but also he does not care if they get killed. Oh, they don't, have, they don't have alcohol restrictions like that in space. That's I mean, you're old enough to die in space. You're probably old enough to drink in space. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very neoliberal of me. <laughs> like, listen, they can die in space, but they better respect the drinking laws. Yeah. I think the one redeeming part of that speech, though, is that when he's just mentioning it's like, this is such a fucked up world where the more people you killed makes you a hero. I'll give him that, that at least he has one point that he knows how fucked up, how he is, and what an yeah, asshole. I, 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 also won- I also wonder, is that like a Japanese thing? Because I feel like I've heard that same sort of speech in animated poor, like you are all weak and I am strong, and like we will die together, that sort of thing. I think that's just war in general. Mm, yeah, I think especially the way that EO is drawn and just like the Federation is like very British slash American. You can like, just say white. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> well, I would. Say hey, there are more black people in this reunit than there is in any other. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I'm the racist. Too, I don't remember seeing any black people. Yeah, there weren't many in the 80s or 90s anime, so... <laughs> yeah. They they did some decent jobs with it. Actually, specifically, Tamino, as he got later in his career, thought that representation of people of different color were important in his works, which I think is pretty cool, because, like, nobody was telling him to do that, and he decided to, so good yeah, on him. Yeah, I, I didn't want to mention it uh, at the very beginning, though. Uh... Uh, you did mention, uh, Luke, that the you can't tell with everybody's helmets on, so everyone kind of gets, like, fodder. But yeah. um, like their commanding captain that was supposed to get the Gundam, like, he was, like, this strong, prominent black guy, but you can't really tell because of the visor or something. Yeah, and like, he's, like, the blue, first to die. So you can't really tell. And he's yeah. first to die, and it's just like, oh, well, at least they didn't go with, like, the black guy dies first, but they did. Yeah. <laughs> you see, yeah. I was thinking about this earlier, I, about the black guys dying. Did you guys, to go off on a tangent, did you guys watch the Netflix Marvel shows at all? Uh, I, I watched yeah. uh, Luke Cage. Well, they they, yeah, they the killed one. the black mentor in every single one of those shows, even Luke Cage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is stupid. Upsetting. Yeah, I, yeah, it is upsetting. But they, the thing is that I, I think that, like, with the one commanders, or I should say he's, like, kind of a sub-commander that's in taking place is that he also shows the side of like being too loyal to a cause is not good because he could have survived, but he's like, no, I'm going down with the ship because I want to die with honor and I'm going to take you down with me too. Oh, the guy on the bridge himself, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Which I I like that both sides are just, they're not innocent in anything they're doing. But I I think one thing that I I want to touch before we get to the end of this movie is that I I like that. I think the reason EO is a good character, even though he's a complete jerk, is he's also very aware of what he is, especially in, like, that last speech of, like, he knows he's not a good person, and he also doesn't care, but he also is aware of the actions he's doing. Mm. So, which I think is a really compelling kind of, like, way to have it where it's, 
a main character that's not necessarily a good guy either. I would have liked to have seen more of him as a youth before the war with like the captain and the blue haired guy. Because the little bit yeah, they showed into that was like it was the the closest I got to sympathizing with him. Like, oh, he was just, he was just yeah. a rich kid who got to like yeah. do like car races and shit. He wasn't just a rich kid. He also walked in on his dad who committed suicide Killing after he himself. killed millions of people. Well, what is the Moorhood? Yeah. Is it the Moorhood Brotherhood? It's like because well, there's the elites the and the Moor Brotherhood. They're different, right? The elites are like in charge of the Moor Brotherhood. They're, they're... They're kind of a part of the same thing where they're kind of like, uh, not a ruling class, but they basically were like the upper bureaucratic section of side four, it seemed like, before everything went bad. Yeah, it, it's neither here nor there since this entire space colony with about a billion people doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, It is the rubble you're think, in the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. And a, a really cool thing I think they do with the mainline Gundam series and a few of that feature, like the idea of like the space colonies is that each space colony kind of, like, turns into its own country or weird kind of ruling laws. Even more so, like, in later ones, like, a, a great example is in, like, Gundam Double Zeta. Like, one of them gets lost to itself, and it just reverts to being, like, an ancient society. They do a lot of fun stuff like that, so. <laughs> yeah. And that actually leads to a spin-off called Gundam Moon, which, why have they not made that anime yet? Because it'd be so cool. Anyway, I think I haven't gotten <laughs> um, into Gundam for the same reason I never got into the X-Men. There's just too much it's just too yeah, much information. If you, if you like having a It's so daunting. Like, I get... Yeah, it is... I understand, like, a nerd thing. Like, when you have, like, a great uh, cornucopia of information about that nerd thing, that makes you feel powerful. But... Yeah. So much power. <laughs> <laughs> Unlimited uh, but, power! But one thing, <laughs> I'm so weak, I'm so... And then you start getting into all the knowledge you know right away. So the thing I, I like to refer to these is uh, I've come up with this term as I've gotten older is that they're nerd buffets where it's like it's something you can get into where there's so much of it and all is all of it good probably not but there's some things that are really really good it's like when you go to a buffet and you find like they have really good orange chicken but everything else kind of shit <laughs> but you're still like no this buffet rules and then when you bring a friend they're like this kind of sucks but you're like no try the orange chicken and then they're like oh yeah this is really good. <laughs> so, and i'd say like mobile suit gundam thunderbolt eighth ms team and then turn a gundam and a few others that i really like are like the orange chicken to me for this but to kind of wrap up the movie itself they get to the like the last fight where finally like the psycho zaku which is the unit that daryl's able to interface with now goes up against eo and the gundam and uh yeah it's just a really very cool well done long fight in a bunch of the rubble of side four and i just love how grisly the fight gets the longer it goes it's it's really well done you see this is the, this is the last fight we're talking about oh yeah well kind of it's like the last it's the last main fight between the main characters because the movie ends with like the the scene of the last fight from the original gundam franchise so Okay, uh, but it's very quickly done. Because I was thinking that when I I didn't really look up much about this movie before I watched it, I kind of thought it was going to be its own self-contained thing. I thought uh, Dylan and EO were going to kill each other, like especially that last moment when like EO put the sword through the chest of their I can't Psycho Gundam or whatever, <laughs> and Psycho Zaku. Now there is a Psycho Gundam, but that comes in later. <laughs> and then at the same oh, time, God. Dylan released a <laughs> missile right at the Gundam, I thought they were just going to both die right there. But that's what would have happened yeah. if this were like a self-contained movie and not part of a two-part movie. That's uh, I, I do like that kind of how they hang it off where it looks like they did kill each other at the end, but then you find out they're both alive. Um, and in a surprise kind of turn of events that the Xeon forces actually end up overtaking the Federation because uh, 
they got there just in time. Well, one of the so one of the one of the commanders ran away and ended up right. rendezvousing. Like, oh hey, put some spring in your step because we got to get them to them for backup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get there as soon as you can. While this is all happening, I like that it, it seems like a complete fallout on both sides where they don't know what to do because before the Xeon reinforcements get there, they're all basically trying to capture each other and just getting into these gunfights on their own ships with the with the mecha fighting in the background. Uh, eventually it leads to EO being captured because uh, they get there when they're recovering the unit with uh, Daryl in it still. And uh, I like that it cuts to basically them being captured and them just beating the shit out of EO, trying to get information out of them. <laughs> See, I didn't like and that. Also, I would have rather again, he just died. I didn't like them torturing. Because yeah. they, they said the word torture. I was like, well, that's not that's cool. That's another thing I like. Yeah. Another thing I like is they, they try to keep it realistic in all the senses of, like, they have it where the commanding officers are going in to beat the shit out of them. And they're like, don't we have treaty laws against torture? And they're like, who cares? Again, why couldn't <laughs> they have made EO, like, relatable in some form? He, he's a, he's, yeah. a, he's well, a, a privileged white ma- straight male. Yeah. But, the, I mean... <laughs> I think to be honest, like that's actually realistically done. Like this is kind of a, this is what imperialism looks like. This is what privilege looks like, even in in, in the form of like warfare. So, oh yeah, like the uh, the shades of gray make the war just mm, that's a that's a spicy uh, a spicy genocide. Oh, it, it's yeah, it's very spicy. It, it's that Tomino esque thing saying it's Gundam, yeah. but really it's just a giant robot anime. Yeah, because I got I to mean, say one it. thing I'll give to <laughs> We did it. Alright, pack it up, we're done. Uh but I think that is one thing that I've always liked about the mainline Gundams and some of the other offshoots is that they try to make it very realistic for the warfare. Not just that both sides are bad and war's not good, but like this is how people can exploit it. This is why certain things like this happen. This is why ultimately it's like the manufacturers making money that are the real powers in the end, so I like that it's pretty well represented in this movie too, but yeah, they uh, they ended on a cliffhanger too. Of they they show the last big fight. So this is this is the hard part to explain for people who haven't seen Gundam. But to sum it up very quickly, at the end of the original Gundam series, uh, Zeon and the Federation have like one last big battle at what's called Abu Ku. Abu Ku. I always forget Abu Ku. Yeah, and uh, it's basically where the the war ends because Zeon can no longer kind of keep up and the Federation has taken kind of a hold of all the Zeon forces that were left and the it's a war of attrition. So this is yeah, a, eventually when yes, yeah, it is basically a war of attrition, but uh, the Zabi family, which was kind of pulling the strings on the Zeon side are basically all wiped out at that point too. So they kind of show all of the characters from the beginning be involved in there. And basically Daryl's kind of fighting, getting used to his prosthetic limbs and almost gets killed. But as this is happening, their ship they were on gets hit by kind of like some just rogue weaponry, like I guess offshoots, but basically it causes their power supply to go out where EO can get loose and it shows him basically murdering the people watching him so that he can escape out with the rest of the Federation buddies of his. And that's where the movie ends. And I, I like that it's such a sudden kind of cliffhanger for it. It was very like, very like, okay, we, we've got five more minutes. We got to get this story like <laughs> set up for the next movie. Yeah, and I, like I was, I've said quite a few times the the second movie and second part of the anime I, I think is my favorite, and it does make you kind of want to go and watch it right away. But uh, we'll have to save that for another time. <laughs> but yeah, this we went pretty long. But I do before we get to the reviews, I was curious, uh, Kudo, for what what's your favorite Gundam series? Oh, oof. Um... That is tough. Well, I just rewatched Turn of Gundam again because uh, all the Blu-rays and stuff, and that is uh, 
one of the favorites of Tomino, him trying to rectify a lot of things. So currently, that's it's that and Zeta are usually my two favorites that I kind of go back to. Because that's one thing I wanted to mention, and the reason I like this movie a lot is my favorite is Turn A uh, as well. Like, hands down, because it's such a weird retelling of the Gundam franchise in a different way. But I think, like, my other... I'd say it's tied, honestly. It's either Turn A or 8th MS Team. 8th MS Team is, I think, the most realistic and grounded of the Gundam series, and I feel like Thunderbolt has that kind of same energy to it, which is why I like the movie so much. Of, like, this is what it would be like to be a civilian or actually involved in this war while keeping it realistic. So I think that's why the movie kind of is is a home run in my in my book. We should probably get to the reviews, I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys talk um, about a gun as yeah, long like, as you want to. I'm down to listen. How, I know nothing. How many hours do you both have? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, the the thing is like uh I'm glad that Kudo mentioned Turn A as being one of his favorites since one of mine too is because it's such a complete coin flip of the franchise because Turn A's where it's completely different of like a far future where warfare caused basically the world to be rebuilt and all of technology be discarded and they start kind of discovering more of the mecha suits. Um, and I like that the protagonist is completely different from the protagonist where he's like just a stone cold pacifist of like, hey, I have this amazing power in Gundam now, but I'm going to do everything I can to stop a war from starting. Meanwhile, these series are like just what what you get when you have a main character that's just completely bloodthirsty. So it's kind of fun to see those different kind of, you know, diversions of storytelling for him. Is there a reason a Gundam is always connected to a single pilot? Have you ever explained that? It doesn't seem like you can switch Not them around. Really. So that you can switch around a little bit. Yeah. They, they experiment with that in a little more of the series. Yeah, I mean, throughout the different series, like sometimes it is... Um, a unit that you're you're just assigned to, but in generally the through line for most of the mecha shows is that it's through circumstance that the that if somebody needs to step up and do something, and the closest thing that they can do is grab this mm-hmm. mechanical um, huge tank, this huge representation of war. So whether you're 14 or not, that you just have to kind of do something, and that whoever person that happens to do that tends to get proficient with this weaponry, um, and yeah. You always have an episode, 15 episodes in all the Gundam series, it's like, well, let somebody else do it, and they fail, and then they lose a leg on the Gundam, and it's just like, well, get it, give it back to the original pilot. Okay. This kid, this 14-year-old can do it. This, this might sound <laughs> gross, but I think everything I like about Gundam so far is stuff that I like about Evangelion. That's not gross. I mean, it's the thing, too, that's a, a common theme of, like... Evangelion you know, was inspired somebody... by Gundam. They were... Anime was always based on, like, what the trends were. Like, oh, you've got giant robots? Put giant robots in your anime. Yeah. But also, like, the idea of, like, the child soldier, too, I think is an interesting concept. Because it's a it's a reminder that war doesn't really care about age or people. It's just, like, what can we put into this blood machine? So, uh, which they, <laughs> yeah. they, they kind of experiment with both series, which I like a lot. But, yeah, I'd say for... We should just get to the good old reviews... For this, we're going to give it uh, one out of five Zakus. So, you know, some would say the Zaku 2 is the best, but I'm going to go and say that uh, I'm going to give this movie uh, a Zaku 4.5 because uh, it's almost perfect in my book for what I love in a mecha anime. It, it falls a little short because there's a lot of very quick cuts and kind of story they have to cut out because it's so condensed. But also from that condension, it makes it really accessible and good popcorn to kind of get friends and people that might like Mecha into enjoying it. So it's it's almost perfect, but not quite there. So I'm still going to go really high and say it's a good 4.5 out of 5 Sakus. Yeah. Hell yeah. 
I'm going to give this a 6.5 out of 10 whatevers. <laughs> but no, like 6.5 out of 10 is good. But I don't think this is a movie. I think this is a short film. Well, I mean, it is yeah, four I... episodes of an anime strung together. I, it, yeah. It's barely an hour long. And yeah. is that, like, thinking of it as a movie kind of makes me, like, makes me bring up, like, oh, there were too many of these songs smushed together. But it's a short film, like, oh, you want to maximize the cool shit you want to do in it. So, yeah, of course, do that. Yeah. But, yeah, I think I this is a, uh, I was entertained by this. I thought it was depressing, but in a good way. I like the idea of the futility of war. Yeah. And that they were just fighting so over rubble. Time. Yeah. I yeah. liked it for all the depressing for, for all the depressing reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I I also liked it for all the depressing reasons. I I, I think I want to give this like a solid uh four Zaku's out of five. It's uh again, love the soundtrack. It's it's animated very well. There are all of the depressing things that Luke talk about, which I also enjoy seeing in film to an extent. And I feel like they, they give it just the right amount here. And honestly, the length is part of the reason why I kind of want to give it a higher review. We've been stuck watching so many movies that are like two and a half hours long and they just fucking drag. This thing just fucking zoomed on by and I loved it for that. Yeah. it's I like that it doesn't overstate to welcome ever, which is I think is as movies keep getting longer and longer for no discernible reason, <laughs> I appreciate something that treats your you time know, well. You know, I want to bring something. When I watched uh, the first Captain America movie, the first Avenger... I was watching it, and then I looked up how long I'd been watching it. Like, oh, thank God, there's still an hour left. That was the last time I've ever felt that way about a movie. <laughs> yeah, I definitely get that, too. <laughs> I'm glad um, theaters are dying. Aren't yeah, we all? As we've, as we've gone on, it's a record to say. So. Yeah, I, I have a, a tough time like giving it a grade, but I'm just going to go give it a 5 out of 5 Psycho Zaku, Zaku 2, <laughs> because if with an hour... What can you do with just an hour? Like condensing like four episodes of an anime for OVA. Like OVA now just means like okay, it's not on prime time TV. It doesn't have to cater. Doesn't have like any of this ratings stuff that it had to do. And I'm glad they did not have to cut out all the harsh bits from the manga. And I think that was a good reinterpretation because me reading, like I have the manga right in front of me, and me looking at a drawing of like the jazz performers like from the 70s like oh that's a really cool shot but it doesn't have the impact of the lighting and the motion of everything that's I, going on in this i like, do it, have one and they have go ahead yeah. sorry sorry no it's just uh it, it just is a good experience and and i think it's the right amount of time for it so hard to agree on that too hmm. yeah i'd give it i yeah, I mean, it is, it is, and for the Gundam fans or the Mecha fans in general, especially if you know about all the prior Gundam series, again, it's the Rogue One little thing where if it really matters to you and it's like, oh my god, I've just been dying for more Gundam content, to have that little one, like, two-minute little battle at the end of the battle queue, like, Mecha fans are like, oh my god, they're there, and it's like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really big deal if you're a big yeah. fan. Uh, it, I, I wasn't jaw-dropped by that specifically, but I heard a lot of people being like, oh my god, it's, I can't believe I got to see that animated, and that one unit that, you know, that had one art in the, you know, in the 80s, in this one book, side book, for a side comic of a thing, and it's like... Yeah, the MSV. Wait, MSVs, so was, yeah. was Gundam, like, a manga before it was a show? This is called Gundam Thunderbolt is a reinterpretation by a totally different manga by a, a comic artist that this is yeah. just his retelling of a side story 
and it is and it there's so many of these books these novels of these comics at this point where he's starting to just branch off into his own alternate version of Gundam at this point that's the thing that uh, with, <laughs> even with the original franchise or the universal centuries it can splinter off in so many interesting ways because you not only to make it even more confusing there's also Gundam the origin which was oh, a God. retelling of the original Gundam but with different storylines that happened too and also like kind of slightly different designs and events that kind of sprawl out also great anime too if you ever want to watch something and if you've ever wanted to watch the original Gundam series but have it be more grounded in the characters, it's a, it's a really great series. <laughs> also, I do like that it makes uh, Amora more like uh, a Neva pilot where he's just a pathetic nerd that nobody likes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an interesting twist. Uh, but yeah, the it, it, I did have that reaction because like, as you all know, I'm a huge Gundam fan too. So like when we were watching the in battle the first time I watched this and I'm like, Oh shit, that's an experimental Zeong unit they have flying around. I didn't think I'd see that shit. Like that blew my mind, man. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh I'd say that's uh that's a good cap on all of the reviews. And uh for the stupid games section this episode. Quit playing stupid games. Because we're running a little long. I still want to do them. Guys, we're gonna get into some mecha madness. I, I got some we got questions oh, yeah. I wanna give you. Yeah. The first is going to be a series of, uh, I'm going to give you two titles. One of these is a real mecha anime or manga that existed, and one's that I made up. And I want to see how easy it is to discern. I'm going to let, I'm going to let you two guess, and I'm going to let uh, Kudo guess last, because it might be more of a giveaway that way, because <laughs> I know he knows the mecha. So, I'm going to ask both, I'll ask Martin first, and then Luke will answer, and then we'll go Kudo. But the first two I'm going to give you is uh, Heavy Metal El Garmer a real series or is robo saint yardic a real series uh martin oh fuck those are both uh they both have just the right amount of like dumb descriptors in them i'm, I'm gonna guess the second one is real okay Luke. i guess i'll guess the first one which can you repeat them heavy metal elgarmer or robo saint Yardic. yeah heavy metal that sounds like an anime thing um right. i think el gain gain el gainer so yeah. okay Oh, yeah, I wrote it down. Yeah, you already know which Damn one it. it is. I had a feeling. <laughs> yeah. He got the answer on that. Okay, so for the next one, I'm going to give you two here. We have uh, Gravity Crusher Z or Space uh, Runaway Edeon. Martin? Space Runaway Edeon? Yeah. I, I feel like you're cheating by taking, like, things from anime titles. Because I want to say Space Channel Edeon. Is that the one? what it was? Uh, Space Runaway Space Edeon. Space Runaway Edeon. Versus, uh, Gravity. Yeah. And that versus uh, Gravity Crusher Z. I think Space Edeon is the right one. Yeah, well, I'll have Kudo answer, because I know he knows this one right away. Probably. Yeah, but I like the other one, though. It feels like a <laughs> yeah. good Mazinger title, but yeah. Uh, Edeon, yeah. I'm sure this is what you're about to say. Uh, that Edeon was the show that happened right after the original Gundam got cancelled. Yeah, that's the one that Tomino did, too. Uh, it's also probably one of the more darker series he's done. Like it's, boy howdy! It's a, it's like if you took a mecha franchise and you're like, what if we made Cthulhu a mecha, which is a real weird concept. Ooh, so. I, I'm sorry, I like that a lot. Like that sounds, yeah, that sounds fucking tight. <sighs> yeah, if you guys get a chance to check it out, I recommend it. But it's, it's, it, it, it ends on a very dark note. Uh, yeah, I mean, if if you also don't want to watch a 50 episode anime and you just want to watch a couple 10 minutes uh, parodies of it and still get a taste of it, you can just look those up on YouTube because. That's how I tell yeah. people to enjoy this series, because 
Oh boy, it's too oh, much. Do, does it have an abridged <laughs> series yeah. on YouTube? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tight. Okay, here's the last two I'm going to give you guys. So I have uh, the Knights of Zarpool or versus uh, Overman King Gainer. Overman King Gainer. What was the first one? All right, Luke. Uh, the Knights of Zarpool. Uh, I'm going to go with Knights of Zarpool. Okay, and uh, uh, yeah, I got to go with uh, uh, number two here. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you, I, I knew Kudo was probably going to get them all right on this one. Uh, yeah, he got it on that. So. Okay, so for the, the second game I wanted to do before we head out here, and we do some plugs, is I had a fun idea, and I want to see how well it, wor- it works. For I think most of you are familiar with G Gundam now. For Luke, once again, it's like the the Pokemon of Gundam. Yeah, but I'm the, the one who said it was G Pokemon Gundam, of Gundam. Yeah, but the, the important <laughs> thing about it, is that each each country in G Gundam has a a Gundam that fights for its sake, and it's usually super ridiculous, and none of them makes sense. So I wanted to ask Luke specifically, what do you describe to me? What you would imagine that India's Gundam would look like? Turban. Okay. Any any other features? Uh, f- forehead jewel. Okay, that's pretty good. Pretty close. Martin, what do you think? What do you think India's Gundam would look like in G Gundam? If you don't remember, no, it. I remember exactly what it looks like. Okay, <laughs> would you care to tell us? It, it's a big snake. <laughs> it's just a big, <laughs> it's a big old snake. <laughs> it does have like a little diamond in its head, but that's more of the Gundam design. But it's still close. I'm enough. pretty sure the guy piloting it, like he had a turban, right, and like a snake charmer flute. Yes, he did. It is very racist, uh. Uh, as all of Giga. <laughs> I mean, yeah, someone charming right. a snake with a turban is pretty much the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now, Luke, I want you to describe me what you imagine Port, uh, Portugal's Gundam would look like. Uh, foot baths? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything more about Portugal. Uh, I'm going to ask Martin now, or uh, Kudo. Do you remember what Portugal's Gundam was in the series? Yes, I do. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, go it's, for it. Uh, he's it's it's like a Mega Man villain. It, he's a, he's a big clown with springy arms. <laughs> if you if you think Portugal the mind, what do you think right away? Clown with spring arms, because that's right, baby. Okay, now my my absolute favorite one, uh, Luke. What do you think Sweden's Gundam was in G Gundam? Uh, it probably had pigtails. Oh, beautiful! Wow, it's just beautiful. Yeah, did it? Do you, do you guys wish to tell Luke his uh, his his very good guess? Yeah, I've, I've uh, been taking oh. all the descriptors, so kudo, please. Yeah, um, it's the Sailor Moon Gundam, and it's very, very close to Pigtails, but in this case, it's just a Gundam that looks like Sailor Moon, but it's long hair instead of Pigtails in this case, but it is beautiful blonde hair. I'm going to say that, like, that's close enough where Luke got it that I think that's amazing. Yeah, no, that is incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Gee, Gundam, what a beautiful mess you are. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, Let's get to those good old plugs and recommendations. as we usually do you can uh, give us something to plug and then a good old recommendation i usually kick it off did anybody want to kick it off this I'll time i'll kick it off nice uh for for plugs i, I want to recommend following uh, both brandon kirkman's twitter at at kirkman brandon and then uh, also follow me on uh, instagram at weird thrift shop finds i don't go thrifting often uh because of all the things 
But when I find something interesting, I post a picture up there. And then for uh, yeah. recommendations, I'm pretty sure you recommended this a couple episodes ago, Luke. But uh, some other friends were recommending uh, checking out American Dad because I haven't kept up with it in a few years. And like American Dad still slaps. It's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. I, I, I watch American Dad all the time. It's uh, way better than Family Guy. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I could go for doing the good old recommendations. Since I'm really, like, in a huge Gundam mindset, here's the thing. My favorite Gundam is Turn A Gundam, or it's 8th MS Team Gundam. I wish everybody could watch Turn A, but they've made it so fucking hard to get a hold of. The nice thing about 8th MS Team is it's still streaming on Hulu right now, if you have it. And if you haven't watched it, it's like, I think, is it either 8 or 9 episodes? But it's it's really well condensed. It's a great series, and I think it's still one of my favorites of all time, even just for animes in general. So uh, if you haven't watched 8th MS Team by this time, go check it out. Also, my favorite Gundam design... Oh, I should ask you to that earlier. Uh, <laughs> it has the EZ-8 in it, which I think is the, the the apex of all Gundam designs in my mindset for aesthetics I like. So <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, but Kudo, what, what is your favorite Gundam design? That might also be a hard <laughs> one to ask. Oh, all right, let me look around. What's the closest thing? Well, can, I, can I do my recommendation? Yeah, he, you should do that. Go, go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I want to recommend it's... Buy a Nintendo 3DS and download a lot of stuff on it before they stop supporting Nintendo 3DS's online store. Because 3DS is a really good system, and I think more people would benefit from owning it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you could get my favorite version of Shin Megami Tensei on it, I, which is Strange Journey. I think Redux, it's going so. to be the last system that you can get game boy games on so like if you get one if you get a 3ds buy all the game boy games you can because i think they're going to very soon be like difficult to find media yeah let's see that oh and also why why kudos figuring that out too i should say uh for my recommendation or my plug actually uh as you all know i was involved with desk and day jobs we've uh fractioned off into something kind of newer bigger and shinier we're now going by npc incorporated like on all social medias uh, which is kind of like what we're gonna go moving forward for both the podcast and then also our live streams we do so if you like D D, uh give it a spin we gotta we gotta get more eyes and ears on our our new kind of big beautiful blossoming of something new and different I said new like 20 times <laughs> basically it's, well, it's very, very so. new like you got it's you very know new that. yeah that's awesome um okay so i think i got an answer so i'm gonna go uh, off the rails and just say the Kimita the kimaris vidar from iron-blooded orphans um just yeah that one so was. there's uh i like it when they have guest mecha designers that aren't they're not going to follow the... It has to have a VIFA and has to follow the same like conventions of colors. or And they really, really don't care if they can make it into a model kit. Uh, and then it yeah. makes everybody at the modeling kit places to pull their hair out. And I love that. <laughs> yeah. A specific thing I like about the design, too, is it also does different colors where it's more of like a kind of purple and gray design instead of the usual like white, blue, and yellow, too. So Yeah, so uh, I love that design. Yeah. Yeah, the more the more unique ones I like because I'd say once again, much like how the series are tied in my mind, the Turn A Gundam is one of my favorite designs too for that. But I mean, when it comes to Zeon units, though, I think it's either always going to be the Dom or the Ock guy. Uh, I really love the Ock guy just because of how stupid and weird looking it is, but also kind of a cool design. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, my favorite non Gundam design is the Kubli Kubli lines and Kshatriyas are all kind of clumped together. But uh, all right, yeah. if we talk about any more Mecha stuff, it's going to be another hour. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Uh, that's a good point. So online, I'm known as uh, Riddith underscore Mochi or Ride the Mochi. Uh, you can find me on 
and Twitter, or Instagram. Uh, I used to be at any other number of anime conventions and events and artist alleys, but that might be about two years out. So until then, uh, yeah, check out my web store through uh, through Twitter or Instagram, and you can buy all the stuff that you would normally buy at an artist alley. Yeah, I can't uh, say it enough, uh, but yeah, you have really fantastic art that I love, and I like that also during the pandemic it's gotten a little more horny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Hey, uh, I, I think it's important. It's definitely important. <laughs> Hey, listen, from one one artist to another, I feel like I, I drew this group of rat folk for a D&D a podcast I really like. I'm like, oh, I think I made them too hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't uh, but, be done. Yeah, it just happens. Yeah. yeah, it's true. But yeah, I gotta I gotta do that I gotta do that Twitter follow then too. But uh, yeah, it's it's really great art. Um I think it's funny that Winslow Domain was on our Discord and was asking if the, the Gundam guy was on our podcast right now. I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, but before we do our sign-off, can I uh, actually chime in with my favorite Gundam design? Let's go for of it. Of course. I feel like it's kind of obvious, but uh, it is from G Gundam. Uh, my favorite Gundam is actually the Nether Gundam from Neo Holland. It's amazing because it just looks like a big fucking windmill. It's the the funniest thing about that one too is that like when they show the armies at the end of the anime, I like the fact that there's like multiple. Oh yeah, there's just like a whole team of them, which I think is the funniest <laughs> shit. That that is this is my working theory. Uh, you know, I traveled back in time for some reason, but then I was allowed to work on the show and just put my favorite Gundam in there multiple times. <laughs> seeing an army of them is so beautiful. I liked the Scarlet Gundam with black trim from Wing, the evil Gundam with the whip arm. The Epion. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I had a toy of that, that one. Yeah, that that whole series. I think the reason that uh, Gundam Wing stands out too is that it was a major turning point for the actual designs of Gundam. Uh, because the I'm trying to remember the name of the mecha designer, but it was the first series that he got to kind of have more of a free reign for doing the designs. And since then, they've been like, "Yeah, you you totally know what you're doing, dude. You get you should do more of these designs." So. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. He actually he actually does designs for the model kits now that they refer to as uh, Verka. Oh, you know, uh, Katoki, because, yeah. Katoki Sensei. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, he, he's famous for designing uh, the Epion and that, but also he designed the Tall Geese, which to this day is still one of my favorite like enemy or Xeon-esque units too, which I got a Master Grade of too, and that was a really fun build. So, Oh, look at that. We're going <laughs> to talk about Mecha for another time. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> probably, I, 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 I should, should probably sign of off. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, let's let's see if we can do that sign off. Uh, but yeah, thanks again for doing the podcast. I'm glad that we got to bring your expertise in on this, even if we talked over you a little bit too much. But that happens a lot, so sorry. No, it's absolutely my pleasure, and you brought me on something that I really care about. So thank you. Yeah, we're glad to have yeah, you yeah. on. Thank you again for being here, Kudo. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I'd say with that, we should uh, let let's see if we can do it. Are you guys ready? Three, two, one. You're gonna like the way I guarantee it. <laughs> We regret that you have not yet complied with our order. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. The words get stuck in my throat. (laughs) 